We are so excited that this latest message from Truth Movement Church can meet you where you are today. This message from TMC will help you to apply the truth of God's word to your everyday life. It's practical and powerful. Enjoy his word. Amen. Did you all enjoy that clip? Did it bring, well, some of y'all didn't bring back childhood, but did it bring back childhood for anybody? Amen, amen. So um, what's amazing now is with Disney Plus, shout out to Disney Plus, um, they have this new streaming service and it allows you to be able to watch a lot of the old content, so all of the classic Disney things, and also some new things. Um, my husband and I, um, and Camille, were watching Aladdin, I guess it had to be about a month ago, and as we were watching it, Aladdin just started preaching. And that clip in particular was really preaching because um, Aladdin found himself in a tough situation. If you, I'll give you a little history if you haven't seen it. Basically, he was persuaded to go to this cave of wonder by Jafar. He disguised himself as an older man, told him to go into the cave. He goes in the cave, and while he's there, he, run, he runs into some trouble. The cave implodes. He finds, he finds himself down on his luck. He's at the bottom of the cave. And then he turns to his friendly companion, Abu, and realizes that Abu has actually recovered the lamp. So as he rubs the lamp, as you saw in the clip, um, this big, massive force, this huge um, power comes out of this lamp. And he actually is a genie, and he's here to make sure that Aladdin is safe. He actually saves him from his trouble. He is here to make sure that um, Aladdin has everything that he ever wants and everything that he ever needs. Um, he gives him three wishes, not only three, but in those three wishes, he's going to fulfill his purpose. He's going to give him everything he could ever want. He exists to make sure that Aladdin is good. He even calls him his master. I'm here to serve you and make sure that you're good. And I couldn't help but think in watching it and even playing it back now that that's how a lot of us are introduced to God. And that it mirrors a lot how we think about God. That God exists to make sure that we're good. And that his sole purpose is to make sure that we're taken care of and that our needs are met with heaven's best. Y'all know the church lingo. We feel like God is here to serve us and only to make sure that we are good. Amen? The problem with that thought, and I can even say that the church has helped to um, perpetuate that. The problem with that thought is that that is a very flat way of thinking about God. God is so multifaceted. He's so dynamic. And so we only have the perception of him as being this great big God who exists to make sure that I'm good, who is here to make sure that my needs are met, who is here to make sure that I am, I prosper and that I have wealth, then we're missing a huge part of God. Amen. And so this morning, what God would have me to talk about is his sovereignty and the fact that he is sovereign. And I'm telling you right now that um, it's not going to probably be the most exciting word. I think that's why it doesn't get a lot of airtime at churches or at big conferences, because we like the genie God and we like the one who comes through and makes sure he's a way maker and he makes sure that we, he prospers us and he knows the plans that he had for us before we were born. We like that. Y'all, some of y'all are about to shout now because you feel it in your spirit when, you, when those words come up. But he wants us to understand that he's also sovereign. Sovereign by definition, just so we can have a working definition, means a supreme ruler possessing supreme or ultimate power. When you are sovereign, you may act independently or without outside interference. And I think that's the part that trips us up because we're talking about relationship with God. 
I think that's where we get lost is that whole can act independently and without outside interference. Because I think about being a kid, and when I was a kid, my parents, um, I think y'all's parents were the same, there was always this trump card that they could pull, and it was a right that they would say, because I said so. And it was, they don't need your, it's, it's not time for you to come in and have a point of view on it because I said so. And now that I'm a parent and I have children, I pull on that same right and I say, because I said so. Sometimes it's not because, you don't have a choice in the matter, it's because I said so. I even go as far as to say, and my daughter will affirm, you is a child. You is a child, and I make sure, and it's probably supposed to be you are a child, but I say you is a child, so you make sure that you understand your place in this earth, and you understand that there are levels to this, and you is a child. Amen? But I think that's where we run into issues with God, because there are times when he turns to us, and he says that it's not about collaboration right now. I'm the kind of parent that I like to get my kids' point of view, maybe sometimes to a fault. I like to hear their thoughts. I like to involve them in decision makings. But there are some times when it's not time for collaboration. Amen? And so it's important that we talk about his sovereignty this morning because in the absence of that understanding, we will always have a love-hate relationship with God because we will love him when he is genie. And we will love him when he is waymaker. And we will love him when he was doing and when he's meeting our needs and responding how we want him to respond. But we will hate him when he turns to be sovereign. Amen? Amen. So we are going to go to John chapter 11. You're going to go to John chapter 11, starting at verse 17. John chapter 11, starting at verse 17. And while you go there, um, I just want to make sure that I give us some context about the family that we're getting ready to talk about there. And what I love about this ministry is that we are really big on making sure that we get some context to the things that we're reading. Um, Without context, we will misappropriate and misapply scriptures very often. So I thank God that this is a ministry where we're very into context. We live in a society that will take snippets and excerpts of things, and they will manipulate it, and they will manufacture it to be exactly what they want it to be. But when you get the context, that's where the power is, and the true application can come from. Amen? So you're going to park in John chapter 11, starting at verse 17, and I'm just going to give some background. So in the book of Luke, and you don't have to go there, it's Luke chapter 10, um, Jesus and his disciples are getting ready to do the work that Jesus came to this earth to do. They're on a mission. And Jesus has a conversation with his disciples and um, about that mission. So he's talking to his 12, but he's also talking to 72 others that he sends out. And he says to them, we're going to go to town, from town to town, and we're going to preach a very simple message, the kingdom of God is near and we are going to heal their sick, and we're going to perform miracles. Y'all got it? We're going to heal their sick, we're going to perform miracles, and we're going to go from town to town preaching a message that the kingdom of God is near. Now, when we go to these different towns, he says to them, make sure that um, you stay in someone's home. And when you stay there, don't stay for a little bit. Stay there for a while. He don't want them going from pillar to post. People going to be talking about them. They was just at this person's house, now they at this person's house. So he wanted to make sure that you stay in someone's home. You make a home there. Y'all follow him? 
Okay. So he says, go make a home in the, in the homes of the people that you're staying with in the town. But he is very clear with them about the selection process. He says, when you go to the town and you look for a home to stay in, make sure that you stay in the home of people who promote peace and who welcome me. He went as far as to say, if they do not promote peace and they do not welcome you, shake the dust off your feet and you leave and you go to another home. So look for a home that promotes peace and that welcomes you. And this is just a footnote. It's not really a part of the message, but do you promote peace and do you welcome him? Because he would only stay, he would only dwell in the homes of those who promoted peace and who welcomed them. So as I'm going through this message, I thought to myself and I asked myself that question, do I promote peace and do I welcome him? So um, that's the criteria for staying in someone's home. Jesus and his disciples find themselves in Bethany, and they stay at the home of two sisters, Mary and Martha. Now, we can believe, based on the criteria, that they promoted peace, and they welcomed them because they stayed there, these two sisters, and they have a brother, Lazarus. So he goes to their um, home, and he doesn't stay there for a short time. He stays there for a while. While he is there, the one sister, Martha, spends her time um, taking care of Jesus, making sure that he has everything that he needs. She is um, making sure that the, the linen is how it needs to be. She's flipping the mattress. She's making sure that the coffee pot's on because, you know, he brews. Um, she's, you'll get that when you get home. Um, <laughs> she's making sure that everything that Jesus needs, he has. Then you have one sister, Mary, who positions herself at the feet of Jesus. And she is taking him in, and she is absorbing him, and she is getting to learn the person of Jesus. Amen? The one sister, Mary gets ups- Martha, gets upset, and she says to Jesus that I'm doing all this stuff, and she's not helping me. And you don't seem to have a problem with the fact that she's not helping me. Jesus actually says that what she's doing is what I prefer. Because while Martha was celebrating Jesus, making sure that everything was good, religion, Mary was experiencing Jesus at his feet, relationship. So Jesus actually says, I prefer the experience and I prefer the relationship over the service and the religious acts. Amen. So by the time um, Jesus leaves the home, he is now friends with these sisters. Um, He's now a friend of the family. He's not just the Jesus. He's actually like their friend. He loves them and they love him. So fast forward a little bit. Keep staying on the train with me. Fast forward a little bit. Their brother Lazarus gets sick. And so they call out to Jesus, their friend. It makes sense because his goal is to heal the sick. His goal is to perform miracles. It makes sense because he's their friend now. They have a relationship with him. It makes sense because he's only like a stone's throw away in another town. So they call out to Jesus when their brother Lazarus is sick. And he is not like sick like cold. He is sick like unto death. So they call out to Jesus when their brother is sick. Now, if you've been in church any time, you've heard this story before, but Jesus makes the intentional decision to stay back when their brother is sick. Keep in mind, we're talking about the sovereignty of God and not always understanding his ways and his decisions. He actually makes a conscious decision to stay back when their brother is sick. He stays back for so long that Lazarus actually dies. 
y'all to church right now because I know that we know the end of the story, so I know you guys aren't moved. But I need you right now in this moment to go back like 2,000 years, position yourself in the place of these sisters who have relationship with Jesus. And I know you, and we, you've stayed in my house, and we've built this rapport, and I called out to you because that's what you're supposed to do when you need help. And you call Jesus, and he doesn't come. And in his absence, he actually dies. I need us to, in this moment, be able to take in what they must have felt like. Because I would venture to say that some of us have or have had or having or will have that same exact feeling of just frustration, disappointment, confusion. Why did you allow this to happen? Why didn't you come? You're not that far away. And then if you think about it from the perspective of you stayed in our house. So like when you were in the town and you needed a place to stay, we made sure that you were taken care of. And I know the church people say you can't outgive God. I ain't talking about that right now. You stayed in my house when you needed something. We made sure that you were good. And now I just need a return on what I've done. And I don't know where you're at. And I'm not just talking about giving financially. I mean, our family has sacrificed. And we have done the uncommon for you. And now we're in a position where we just need you to come through. And you opted to stay back. That's the part of his sovereignty that we don't like to talk about, I think, because we think it makes him look bad or maybe it makes our faith look bad. But they are devastated. They are devastated at the decision-making of Jesus at this point in time. And so... He does stay back. Lazarus does die. And now we're in John chapter 11, starting at verse 17. I'll read. On his arrival, because he finally got there, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again, Martha answered. He will, I know he will rise again um, in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus says to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whosoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who has come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. So there's a lot that we want to unpack there, and we're not going to do it all afternoon, but there are several things that are really important to talk about um, in what we just read. So Going back to background, we know that Jesus is their friend. He's more than a friend. He's like a brother to them. And in their time of distress, they called out to him. He opted to stay back. I will say this, that when he heard of Lazarus's sickness, he said this sickness won't be unto death, that it'll be for the glory of the Lord. But he didn't tell them that. 
And I think that that's the part. It can be, we can get a little, it could be a miss as we're reading scripture because we're reading the story back. But in the time, yes, he said that this won't be unto death. He said that out loud and he said this is for the glory of God. But they didn't know that. So we have the benefit of knowing the outcome and knowing what the plan was, but they didn't know that in that moment. So all they see is absent Jesus. So he arrives, um, and as it said in verse 17, Lazarus had already been in the tomb for days. It also said that now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. The Bible doesn't mix words, and it doesn't add words just to add them. It was very intentional to say that he was two miles away. Like, you could walk two miles in like an hour, like it, or less. Like, you, it, was very, it was very clear to let us know just how much he could have been there if it was a part of his decision to be there. And it's not where we are sometimes as we know God to be that big grand force um, who can do all things. Isn't that the, the issue sometimes? Because I know that you can. You opted not to. It's not that there is something, you know, people have limitations. And I know that my, my brother may want to get to me, but he can't because he's working. And he, I mean, there's, there's things that we understand. But when I know that you're able and that you're choosing not to, that's a different type of hurt. So he is two miles away. We learned that in the scripture. And Lazarus dies. And it said that while um, he was away, many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. The first question I would ask today, I don't really have points, but the first question I would ask is, what or who is comforting you? So in that gap, in that space where you called on Jesus and you had an expectation of him and expectation was not fulfilled, he didn't come in the time that you thought he would, he didn't do it the way that you expected him to do it, um, you felt like there was a miss, what or who is comforting you? in what appears to be the absence of Jesus. For some of us, it may be food that we use as comfort. For some of us, it may be pornography. It may be just getting really focused on work and being on your grind. And, but there's something that you're using to fill the gap. And I know that because it's actually human psychology that says that the human body will naturally develop a coping mechanism when they feel like there is stress or a disconnect or something that is not favorable. It will automatically develop a coping mechanism to deal with the deficit. So there is something that you have put in that place while you felt like Jesus was underperforming. And that's something, I noticed I didn't just say crack cocaine and pill bottles and all the other stuff that just seems nefarious. There are some things that are like exercising or just getting really focused on your kids or really dialing into the sports scene or just things like that that are not sin, but they're what you're using to comfort you in what appears to be the absence of Jesus. And it's important that we identify that this morning because we need to identify what is comforting us because we're talking about relationship with God. And whatever that thing or those things are, they will always be a third party in our relationship. You will make a mistress out of that thing because now you're trying to have relationship with God and you have this other thing that's been there comforting you all the while while he wasn't doing what you thought that he should be doing. Yeah. 
If we think about relationship with God, like we think about relationships with people, there is something that you turn to when you feel like you're not getting what it is that you wanted to be getting or the way that you thought you'd be getting it. So what's comforting you this morning? What has been comforting you for years? I'm going to let that sit. I've been sitting with mine. I've identified a few things that in that space where I feel like God didn't do, I just picked up something else. So the sisters, it is very natural. Jesus didn't show up. Lazarus dies. The comforters come to make sure that um, they're okay while they're dealing with that grief. It said that when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Did y'all catch that? So once Jesus does arrive, finally, Martha goes out to meet him. You know, you know Martha do it. You know, Martha's a, a goer. So she goes out there because that's what you do, you know. You just keep doing. She's, she's, she's very religious in that way. So if Jesus comes, she's going to make sure she goes to Jesus. That's just what you do. So she's, she goes out there to meet Jesus. But it said that Mary stayed back. And I almost had a whole, whole message just on the stay back. I won't do it. But I will focus on it because if we go back to the background, Mary was the one that had positioned herself at the feet of Jesus. And Mary was the one that had experienced Jesus. And Mary was the one that had a relationship with Jesus. Right? So the saints will say that Mary's faith faltered, that she had holes in her faith, that when the rubber met the road and, the, and when the rain fell on her soil, it wasn't good ground because when it came down and it beat up on the house, it found that the house had not the good foundation that it needed. You know what? This, come on. Because when trouble came, she couldn't stand tall. That's why she stayed back. But I'm going to pick up Mary's defense today. And I would say that that's why she stayed back. Because she was so devastated. Because she didn't just celebrate religious like her sister did. I actually spent time with you. And I got to look you in your face. And I got to hear who you are. And I got to not just know your hand, but got to know your heart. And I got to see the person of who you are. And so... When you didn't come, when I called, she is devastated. She is dispirited. Her spirit has been taken from her. She, I mean, I know it's difficult, and I know it's Sunday, and I know that there's things going on this afternoon that maybe you're focused on that, but let's, let's come just for a minute. To have experienced Jesus so intimately and to have him be sovereign at that time had to be so difficult for her. And I believe that's why she stayed back. I don't think she stayed back because she's a horrible person. I don't think she stayed back because she just put her faith down. I think she stayed back because she was just at a loss. And I'm stressing that this morning because there are some people in this room that it's not that I don't love them. And it's not that 
I don't want to be with him. It's not that I don't have faith. It's just that I have so much faith. And I think that that's where people don't get credit for believing because it's not that I didn't believe. It's that I believe so much. And it's different when you didn't ever think he was going to do it. But when you put all, I put all the chips in. And I believe so hard, and it didn't happen. Or it didn't happen the way I thought it was going to happen. That's where the devastation comes in. And I'm saying all that this morning, not because I want to, um, not because God wants to put feelings on display and he wants to give credit to how we feel, but I do think that there needs to be room for that because I think that that's where people are coming to church but still killing themselves and people are coming to church but still having all these other vices and things because I think that we don't give enough space for how people might really be feeling. Now you shouldn't be run by your feelings, but we need to at least acknowledge them. And I, I want to make sure that we acknowledge how Mary must have been feeling in that moment. Amen? So she stayed back. Martha ran out and did what she did um, to go meet him. Martha has the whole conversation um, with Jesus that I read before. She's saying, you know, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. And then Jesus says to her, but I am the resurrection. Do you believe? And she's like, I do believe. And then what's really interesting is after she had this conversation with Jesus, um, she went back to get her sister. And she said to her, the teacher is here and he's asking for you. And Mary heard this and she got up and went out to meet him. She got up quickly and went to meet him. I don't have a whole lot of other words on my notes other than the teacher is here and he's asking for you. The problem is not having the feeling. The problem is not being devastated. The problem is not being at a loss for words. The problem is staying there. Because he didn't, God, God is so big and he is so able to take in everything. When, you, when you're in real relationship, you're able to be vulnerable. God has no problem with the fact that you have been devastated. There, he has no problem with the fact that you have been upset and disappointed because of what he chose to do or chose not to do. He doesn't have a problem with that. But the teacher is here. And he's asking for you. It's not being there that's the issue. It's staying there that's the issue. He's asking for us. And what is he asking us for? This is so huge. It's so I've been sitting with this this weighty assignment for like, I guess, three weeks at this point. I was going to speak last week, and it just worked out well that I didn't because there was such an amazing word. And then, as Pastor Tina mentioned, there's been so much life stuff happening and so much just going on, um, so much grief, to be honest, with so many people. And it feels very appropriate to stand here this morning with this assignment and with this question, are you going to get up? Because the teacher is here, and he's asking for you. And he understands that he's not dismissing it. He understands that you were hurt. He understands that 
your spirit was grieved. He understands that you put all your faith on the line and it didn't work out how you thought. He understands that, but he's here and he's asking for you. And what is he asking of us? He's not asking He's not asking for us to dismiss our feelings. He's, he's inviting us into real relationship with him. Because real relationship is on display and it continues to go even when you don't understand. And real relationship is being in love with somebody even when they don't respond the way that you thought they were going to respond. I think about, um, I was reading, talking about love, we'll get there in a couple of weeks. I was reading about um, in the love chapter, was it 1 Corinthians 13? And I say the love chapter because it's love is patient, love is kind, love is does not boast and all that. And embedded within that, the Apostle Paul said that when I was a child, I thought like a child and I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. And I thought that doesn't really fit within the whole love is theme, but it really does. Because he was saying that God is calling us into a more mature love with him. And as long as we have that love like a child that only loves God when he's genie, and we only love God when he's performing, and we only love God when he's responding the way we want him to respond, and he's, we're only loving him when the relationship works out the way we thought, and we're only loving him on that way, it's very childish kind of love. So when he's here today, the teacher is here and he's asking for us and he is inviting us into a deeper love relationship with him. The kind of love that loves him when you don't know the outcome. So this is the, um, if you haven't heard the story, the account, Lazarus actually does get raised from the dead. It's really miraculous. I mean, he's, he's one of the resurrection stories. But he's not wanting us to love him for a certain outcome because that was the outcome with Lazarus. That is the outcome with Ty, which is very beautiful. But there are times when it don't work out that way. And John the Baptist was beheaded, and Stephen was stoned, and my father was murdered, and there was no resurrection. He's asking in this moment, and it's a very, it's a very tough question, but can you love me with question marks? And can you love me when you don't know how it's going to work out and just trust that I'm sovereign and that every decision I make, I make through the lens of love. And that scripture that says all things are working together for your good, I really mean that. And I mean all things, even bad things. They're going to work out for your good, but it may not be how you thought it was going to work out. He's inviting us this morning into that level of relationship and love with him. And I believe specifically, yes, all believers, but the people here in this room, in this ministry, he is maturing us and he is growing us in a way that is leaps and bounds. Not like, you know, I guess I'll use Kennedy for that example. Some people grow inches, <laughs> centimeters in a year. Other people grow exponentially. They just become <laughs> huge giants in a matter of weeks. I say that laughing, but I say that because I feel like God is doing some big stretching and he is doing some huge growth spurts with us. And this is one of them. And as long as we continue to have that genie-like idea of him, that he is just going to come and do what we want, how we want it, when we want it, we're going to miss the biggest aspect of his love and biggest aspect of who he is, which is that he is sovereign. Amen.
Would you stand to your feet? What is amazing is Lazarus does get um, resurrected. And if you go like the next chapter over, next few chapters over, Mary, they go, Jesus goes back to their home and he actually stays in their home again. And this time, Mary, the one who was dispirited and the one who was disappointed, she worships him. She busts open a bottle of perfume that costs so much and was so expensive. And she wipes his feet with her hair and with her tears and she worships him. So this morning, not only is God saying, can you love me with question marks? Can you love me when you don't understand? Can you love me when you don't like it? But he's also asking, can we worship him? Can you worship me with question marks? I would ask you in this place to please lift your hands and let's, let's try it. God, we thank you. Some of you have worshiped. You've come to church. We've come to church and we have um, gone through the motions and the songs have played and we even play playlists, worship playlists in our cars. But there's been so much hurt and so much disappointment that we haven't really worshiped. Some of us haven't worshiped in years. Because that thing, that wedge between us and him has been there prominently for years. But right now in this, mo this moment, I would ask you to lift your hands in this place. And understanding who he is, that he's sovereign, that sometimes it's going to work out exactly how we expect it. And sometimes it's not. And that's okay because he's still God and he's still sovereign. If we could just worship him in this place. Thank you, God. Worship through the disappointment. Worship not knowing what the outcome is going to be. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. We don't understand God, but you are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. God, we worship you still hurting, God. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. God, we praise you through hurt, God. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You're a sovereign father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. We are loved by you. It's who I am. 
It's who I am. You're a sovereign father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. We are loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, God, we trust you through the hurt. God, we trust you when it doesn't work. We trust you, God. Thank you for streaming the latest message from Truth Movement Church. We pray that you found something in God's word that you can deposit into your heart for future use. To stay connected with our ministry, like us on Facebook or Instagram, or learn more about us by visiting www.truthmovementchurch.org.